The sorrows of Sheol or hell surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple. Cry entered his ears. In the last several weeks, we've been kind of leapfrogging through some of the... You would think that David would be able to go back to the palace in Jerusalem and just go from there. No. When people get away with sin, they develop a taste for it. And Sheba and Amasa and several others, we find out in the process, they wouldn't submit now to David's kingship. You remember at the beginning when David was crowned king, just the tribe of Judah and Benjamin went with him. And it wasn't until much later that he had the all of Israel behind him. Well, now it's back to Judah again and the, the tribe that he's from. And people are saying, well, the others got away with the re rebellion. I can get away with it too. Right. When you let it go, it doesn't get any better. Like all of you improve with age, I'm sure. But, but the, these situations, so there was rebellions and wars and, and people say, well, I won't even cross the river with it. I'm, I, I'm not even going to cross the river with it. And so David, and, and one of David's leaders walks up to him and says, you going to let him get away with that? And David said, yeah. <laughs> and so David has allowed that situation to develop through Absalom where he didn't deal with what he should have dealt with. And now an attitude has developed in all of Israel. The king, if you do something against him, he, he's not going to fight back. He'll just run. So that's what's happened in the interim since the death of Absalom. But in the midst of it, we come to chapter 22. There's rebellion after rebellion, and the Philistines are on the attack and everything. But in the midst of it, what we just read was a psalm that David had written years before came back to him during this time of his life. It resurfaces, and it's Psalm 18, and I'll invite you to turn there momentarily. But Psalm 18 just kind of rises up with it. And we're going to study that tonight because that's where we are. He just, the psalm just rises up within it. We're looking at the chief musician and uh, what this song is all about. But here we find that when David is at one of his lowest points, the word rises up in him. A word that God put in his heart many years before this. And it rose up within him. Have you ever had an experience like that? Where you're going through something and a part of the word of God that you'd studied or read before just comes back and resurfaces in your in your heart. 
And that's what happens here. Any of you have any? I'll let you think about it for a moment while I ramble. Uh, but those times when something, a scripture from years before, just bubbles up on the inside. I've told you my testimony many times before. And a, a verse of scripture that the Lord has used to uh, strengthen me and encourage me over the years was the, the verse that came alive to me on the night that I received the call to ministry around an altar of prayer up at Camp Syker. I had no intention of going into the ministry. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, nothing at all. People say, well, Kenny, you're going to be... No, I'm not. I had an excellent job with uh, Bell Telephone and was making money hand over fist and spending it just as quick and <laughs> had a wonderful time. Uh, I went into, I had this urgency. It was time for Camp Syker and all the youth from the church that I attended, uh, Peace United Methodist Church, were going to be up there. And I went to my boss. I'd only been working there a few months. And I said to him, uh, would it be possible for me to take some personal days and go up to the camp? He says, yeah, we can't pay you. He says, I'll, I'll try and get paid for you. But uh, you came right from working on the main line frames of the, the telephone company, and you're in a specialized group. Uh, I'll see what I can do. He says, oh, sure, take a few days off and go up. I went up. I wasn't with the youth group. I was uh, sitting uh, back in the main part of the sanctuary and felt the call of God on my heart. I, I don't remember what was preached that night, but I made my way through the, to the altar. And those of you who have been up there, it's a sizable place. I made my way to the altar and God called me to preach. It was a sovereign call. I didn't want to do it, but it was what God was calling me to do. And I didn't realize at the time, but just at the other end of that same wooden altar prayer bench, my brother Tom was kneeling. At the same time, God called him to be a pastor as well. When we got up from, after praying through on it, uh, Tom came to me and says, Kenny, he says, uh, I, I feel calling God to go prepare for ministry. And I said, same thing here. And he says, the Lord gave me direction. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go down to Asbury College. And uh, I'll, uh, says, we'll be, we'll be, I'll be quitting my job and moving down there. And if you want to uh, come and stay with us, uh, we'll get a two-bedroom apartment and have you there. So I said, well, I'll pray about it. I went back to the tent I was staying in and turn to the scriptures and I know I've read through the Bible several times at that point in my life but as I picked up the word of God the verse that came out I pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and it just like leapt off the page to me I had read it before and it didn't mean a thing to me but it meant something that night and throughout my life and, and our ministry, Linda's my ministry, the Lord has used that at different times when I needed direction and I needed a guidance from the Lord. And that 
that verse would just resurface at different times. So I've given you time now to think back if there's been times in your life that a verse has resurfaced when you were going through something or or you needed guidance. Anybody with a with a word on that? Yeah. There's a couple of verses that come back to me often or uh, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And then another one uh, I've been using a lot lately is um, all things work together for good. Those who love the Lord and those who are uh, called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, then I often don't have a lot of times to read, but I always try to read the, the daily bread every day. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when I read that sometimes that there'll be the, the scripture reading that goes along with that, which it'll be just what I read for that day. And I'm like, wow, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's, it's just so awesome. It'll be just the right word that time. And then sometimes I'll come on like a little, it'll get me on like a little bunny trail. With that, I'll keep reading and reading, I'll read uh-huh. more. And it's, I'm just so thankful for his word and how he will speak to me sometimes like that. Amen. Anybody else? The, yes. Matthew 634, God, many of you others are basically Uh-huh. Just that, you know, that word that when you're feeling down, the word can raise you up. And here David is, surrounded by adverse circumstances. Now, yes, granted, he had brought some of this on himself. But the Lord can touch it with his Holy Spirit and bring it up to our remembrance. But through David, this is the one that came up at this low point in his, ministry, his life as a king. And uh, it resurfaces. If you have your Bibles with you and you turn to Psalm 18, you will find one of the superscriptions that we have dealt with and talked about numerous times before in our study of First and Second Samuel. Uh, somebody be willing to read that superscription for me out loud. Who'll do that? I see a hand. Okay, yeah. To the choir master. Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this psalm to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Okay, it tells us it's it's a song. It's a a song, and it's addressed to the chief musician that this is to be sung in the tabernacle worship, in the worship of the of the priesthood, and. Uh, can somebody help me out? Tell anybody who wasn't here when we studied superscriptions before. What is a superscription? Was it in the original document that the Lord gave David? Uh, no. No. When did it show up? 15th century? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> No, it was, it was from the very early ages when they were compiling the Psalter or the songbook for temple worship during the from uh, Babylon. And they've assembled it and the Lord had preserved the scrolls and the scriptures. And so the scribes got together and assembled them into something that they could read every time they gathered for worship, hearing the stories of how great hymns were written. 
and the stories behind those hymns. It doesn't mean that they are anointed like the scripture was, but they're a helpful guide to let you in on what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not that they are divinely inspired, but they were given uh, to the leaders, the, the scribes, to understand what was going on when this psalm was written. And so it gives us context. And as you know, context is very important. At a very low point in his kingship, this psalm, out of all the psalms, this psalm rose up in his spirit. And uh, it was to the chief musician, and it says it's a psalm of David who spake unto the Lord in the day the Lord delivered him from his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So it dates back to the time when Saul was after him, but also as they were compiling this in the Psalter, all of his enemies, he was getting a, a, a fresh view of this psalm how it applied to not just Saul's attacks on him, but all of his enemies, whether it's his son, uh, Absalom, or it's uh, Sheba, or whoever else is raising their hand up against him. It, it's a, something that applies to all, all times. At a very down time, at a very down time, the word rises up. Yes? I have a question about the mentality of David at this point. Uh, I think I can understand why he wouldn't fight again against Absalom, his son. What's stopping him now from, you know, pushing his way through and taking over and saying, no, no, <laughs> I'm king. You know, like, where is his mind at? Why won't he step up now? Uh, there's many theories. One being, he's kind of bruised on the inside. Have you ever had something so traumatic happen to you that even though it's past, it's history, it's still there and tender? Know what I'm saying? Yep. How that uh, it's not really affecting you at this point, but it is. It's... Uh, He's hesitant to uh, deal with Sheba or Amasa or any of the other people that are rising up or those that are going against him like uh, the rest of Israel walking away from him and saying, ah, we don't have to listen to you anymore. He doesn't want to be that one who's demanding them and he's, he's just got kind of an internal bruise. Others suggest that he was still mourning and we read that into the story there in chapter 21, 22 uh, how that he's still lamenting he's not over the death of his son sons, plural uh, because his other son Ammon was killed too and then Absalom uh, goes against him and 
and his faithful people that had been his advisors, they turned their back. He's, he's uh, in a very vulnerable, let's put it that way, position. Others suggest that he is, he is just reticent to be king anymore. He's, have you ever gotten to a place where you said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. It's not worth it. Yeah. I'm done. Now, he wasn't, and God had not taken him from the throne, but he was kind of over it. He, uh, and so as you read these several chapters here, you get that kind of feel of a deep bruise. He's still in mourning. He doesn't want to assert himself and drive the people of Judah away from him. So he's kind of he's kind of leading, not from the front. He's seeing which way the wind's blowing and trying to lead from that. And his advisors, Joab, his uh, captain of his armies, said, you need to deal with this. And he said, well, during this chapter 20, 21, before 22, we find that the leaders of the army, because of the way that David had become, he doesn't want to go against anybody, they said, okay, we're going to keep you back at the palace when we're fighting the Philistines. And that's where it got into trouble the first time. But they were saying, we're going to mandate you stay back here because you're no, you're no use to us out there. Because he's second-guessing. Have you ever had a, a, a boss or a leader or a manager that was so, well, maybe we'll, or maybe, or, or, or maybe we, well, why don't we, and they're, they're very indecisive. Have any of you had any like that other than me? You know. <laughs> yeah, I work under you, Pastor. You're in. But what does that do to you when there's indecisive leadership? You don't know what to do. But others in danger. Yeah. You don't know what to do. You, 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 you're putting others in danger because if you're not going to make the split-second decision on the battlefield... Now, David wants a great military strategist, but now he's second-guessing everything he does. He's just a mess right now. But when you're a mess, the Lord can use his word that has been put in there years before, dating back to the days of when Saul was after him, to give you strength and encouragement. And this particular psalm, I think is really exciting from that standpoint, and we're going to study that right now. Anybody else uh, other thoughts on David's demeanor or why he's so ouchy about taking strong leadership. He doesn't trust himself. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's totally uh, indecisive. He doesn't trust. He, he, uh, Joab says, that guy crossed you to your face. You need to set an, make an example of him. And so he doesn't want to do it. And that he's difficult to follow because of that. People who have been loyal to him for years have to kind of rise up 
and say, okay, you won't make a decision, we're going to make a decision for you. And they said, we're not going to take you out of the palace, we're going to keep you here, we're going to have guards with you, we don't want anybody messing with you, we'll go out and fight the battles and tell you how it goes. And they just told the king what the king was going to do. And David says, okay. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where you just didn't want to make decisions? You know, anybody know what that feels like? When you just don't want to. You're a leader, but you don't want to. Everything's a decision. Huh? Almost everything's a decision. Yeah. Buying a car, buying a house, buying whatever, take care of kids here, putting them there, doing this. Indecisiveness, though, it uh, huh? it gets on it gets on everybody else's nerves. Wow. I had I had a secretary one time. I don't know if she's listening tonight or not. I had a secretary one time years ago, and we would on a certain day of the week, the entire office staff at the church, it's a rather large church, we would all go out for lunch together. Uh, the bookkeeper and the and the secretaries and assistant pastors and and uh, we would go out and secretarial staff we would go out uh, to lunch and this one gal loved her to death she could not make a decision <clears throat> well what where do we want to go for lunch where would you like to go and so 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 we. We had to make that decision. And uh, so she said, well, I really kind of wanted a salad. We were going to go to Chinese. That's what it was. We are going to go ch eat Chinese. And uh, not the Chinese, Chinese food. That's <laughs> Which, no, no, we weren't going there. But uh, so I, I, she said, but I was really counting on a salad. I said, she didn't mention that. Uh, you want a salad? Let me call and see if they have salad. And so I called over to the Chinese restaurant and I said, do, do you have salad? Said, oh, we got chicken salad. We got uh, chicken salad. We got salad. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I said, yes, uh, they, they have salad. Okay, let's go there. So we got over there and uh, we're all sitting around a big table and come up and the, and the waiter comes up and he said, what do you want? And she says, I'll have the chicken salad. Says, we don't got chicken salad. <laughs> Not today. I said, well, I just called. And you said, yeah, we got chicken salad. Not today. <laughs> and I said, well, do you, do you have any, any stuff to make salad, any lettuce or anything? Yeah. I says, do you happen to have any chicken that you're cooking back? Yeah. I said, well, put it together <laughs> and give it to her. So, okay, you want chicken salad. <laughs> so they brought, the, they brought the chicken salad out, and that's all it was. It was chicken salad. <laughs> no dressing. They said, we got no dressing. We don't have the chicken salad. <laughs> so I, I went across the street, got a bottle of salad dressing, brought it back. I said, chicken salad, chicken salad. And uh, <laughs> we had a number of funny times at that restaurant. But, but every time 
we'd go out to eat. It was forever having her decide what to eat. And everyone says, how about if we just order for you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Indecisiveness can drive a person, decisive people up a wall. And uh, you scream, just decide. So uh, his indecisiveness was an issue here. But the cool thing about this time is even though he's indecisive, God doesn't leave you on your own. David can't decide what to do, and the Holy Spirit raises up one psalm out of all the 150 psalms. I mean, that's not random. That's on purpose. We're going to look and see what God was trying to say to David through this psalm that he'd written many years before. So turn, if you would, then to everybody turn to Psalm 18. And we're going to take the first six verses. And in the first six verses, there are 12 statements David makes about the Lord in the psalm. Now, he made these years before. But the Lord is bringing to remembrance to David who God was to him back then. And refreshing that relationship that David had. David made clear choices about this. And so as David's reading this psalm again that the Lord had brought to him, he's recovering his relationship with the Lord through it. So look there at Psalm 18. Can I get somebody to read Psalm 18, verses 1 through 6? We'll do that for you. Okay, Quentin's got it. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, and whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death encompass me, and the floods of ungodliness make me afraid. The sorrows of shoals surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. Okay. Just six, six small verses and yet 12 affirmations of who God was to David in his own words, okay? Anointed by the Spirit. This is what David said about his relationship to God years before, back before all the, the bad stuff happened in David's life. And God's trying to draw him back to that relationship. And so we're going to look at these 12 affirmations that David makes in the first six verses. Uh, he said, the one I love, the, that he loves God. Sometimes we can get to a, a place where we 
just need some basic ground to stand on. Mm -hmm. And David, as he's reading this and refreshing this in his memory, singing this song to the chief musician, as it were, he's remembering when he fell in love with God. When he met the Lord as his shepherd out in the wilderness. I mean, this is lots of years ago. The Lord is my shepherd. Shall I? He's, he's refreshing the fact that he's not just serving God. He loves the Lord. And the Lord loves him. A rough patch in your life. When you remember God loves me and I love him. What can that do for you? It brings a peace of you. It be a, a peace. It's, you're not doing this. Sometimes being the king, he was going through the motions. He had things he had to do and decisions he had to make. But this was one that is reminding him it's not about just doing good things. It's about a relationship between you and the Lord. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not all the restrictions and whatever. It's that you love the Lord. Remember that old chorus? Uh, I don't know if I can do it or not. I think I can. I love you, Lord. Yeah. And I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul. Rejoice. Take joy.
I will tomorrow. <laughs> Starts with a T, but I can't think of his name. Uh, he helps us out. He's a neighbor that helps helped us out for years with the the food distribution. And uh, he, uh, had, why don't we leave the doors unlocked here at Trinity, Other even though we're nice so people? Huh? Other people weren't so, so friendly. friendly. Yeah. Things come yeah. up missing. Yeah. Yes, yes. The word there is a castle or defense, a strong place, a safe place. Then goes on to say, number six, God, you're my deliverer. My deliverer. And what is a what does it mean to be a deliverer? That God's his deliverer. Can you give any illustrations of that in David's past life? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil before thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff to slip out undetected. You know, you remember the different times that we talked about in First and Second Samuel, how that Saul had his armies on one side of a mountain, and David and his small forces, 600 men are on the other side. And when they start moving this way, the Lord led him. He's a deliverer. How many of you know some things in your life? I'm not asking you to testify, okay. But some things that you were caught up in that he delivered you out of. Amen? New life. <coughs> His old life is not working out real well right now. And the Holy Spirit is bringing back Psalm 18 that happened probably 30 years before with Saul and his other enemies. And he's using it to need to get back to a Then it goes on. Number seven. My God. My God. My strength in whom I trust. My fortress, my deliverer, my God. Which, so of course he's God. Is important because he can be a God to us sometimes. And not our own personal God that we worship. We can go through the motions that they were specialists. From the lady across the hall that about a few months before that her mom had given her heart to the Lord. She realized all those years of the well, for her. For, you know. And so that just made Mary and her brother very happy. And she kept telling everybody, you know, mom's in heaven. And, and her sister goes, well, of course she is. She's a good Catholic. Mary goes, oh, uh, that's man. not what got her. I'll be reminded about it. Yeah. Uh, but David is being reminded by the Holy Spirit. He was at a place in his life where he had a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Lord, I know I'm walking him nobody, but what fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on the everlasting arms. David was relearning.
who, where is strength coming from? <coughs> then it says, my, the God in whom I will trust, the one whom I will trust, not just trusting him now, but in the few historical study about the, the Romans, especially, they, they use their shield in a variety of ways. When one of the ways of warfare back in the day was to launch stones on catapults and even dip them in oil, light them, and launch stones from the catapults. And uh, nothing offensive, but we have people from Georgia watching. No, 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 friends. no. Nothing to do with that. Not you. It's not you, Sharon. Not Sharon, it's not you. Crazy people. These guys are not. They got between a 45 degree angle, he drove his car between me and another car in front of us. It's a 45 degree angle. And uh, so, somebody tried a sandwich just then, and this guy had a big old truck, little truck, uh, farm truck or something, and his car over here, I was getting over here, and he beat this one, and I was stuck between them. How many times did this shield of the Lord was protecting us? Because. One time, a truck come over a hill and we was turning the hotel. We didn't know where we were at. We lost half the time, <laughs> even with a GPS. And anyways, I turned into this hotel we were looking for, and this truck come right over the hill. And when he seen my car, he hit the gas. Mm. And he come faster at us. And I hit the gas, and my car got out of his way. It's almost like I've got to reel this in. I've got I've got to know a buckler is. Would you like to know? Yeah. Or, or don't you care? I don't know. Or do you want to hear me some more? No. <laughs> Either my shield and buckler story or Ed. Ed's car wreck. Uh, the buckler was a smaller shield that went over the hand to guard uh, your hand with your sword in it from being hurt. It's a smaller shield. So that not just protecting you, but also when you are on the offensive, there's protection. Sometimes believers can get afraid. Well, I don't know, boy. I don't know about going out and witnessing to people and, and confronting things about sin and whatever. He's not only our shield. He's our shield and buckler. That when you are fighting the Lord's fight and you are sharing the word of truth, there's also protection there. Uh, the horn of my salvation. This is referring to the, the tabernacle and the four horns of the altar that there's very, I, did, I don't have time to share all the scriptures with it, but you know the story how that in the tabernacle there was the altar of uh, sacrifice, brazen altar out front. And there were four horns on it. And the purpose was they were to tie the sacrifice to those horns, a symbol of, of strength. But also, if you were under attack, somebody was wanting to do you in. The scripture calls it the avenger of blood. Someone was out to do you in. You could run to one of the cities of refuge, or you could run to the the tabernacle at Shiloh and you could enter into the gates and come and hold on to the horn and it was your place of salvation. 
the, you would be defended against any attack as long as you were touching the horns of the altar. It was a, a safe place. And the, the, you were safe as long as the high priest lived. And then you were set off. But the good news is we have a high priest that's eternal in the heavens now. Yeah. And we can run to the horn of our salvation and cling to him. Hold on to Jesus in the midst of it. And the twelfth affirmation that the, the Psalm 18 makes, my stronghold, you say, well, what's the difference between a stronghold and a fortress? Well, the word is migah, and it means a high place that it's hard to get to. But also, you have a vantage point. You're going to be able to see where the attacks are coming from. Be able to see and reconnoiter where, where you need to be protected from. And the Lord can give us insights of what's around the corner when He's our God. And show us where the attack's coming from. Warn us. Guide us. So, these 12 affirmations are in the first six verses of the psalm that the Holy Spirit brought up to David's remembrance when all this nasty stuff is going on around him. He doesn't want to deal with it. He wants to run and hide. He doesn't want to uh, deal with any of the stuff. And the Lord reminds him. Now, did I say this or did you say this? Well, I said that in praise to you. Okay. And so he's making him eat his own words again to remind him, you're my God, my strength, my love, my fortress, my high tower, my, the one in whom I will trust, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. There are times when we need to allow God to remind us of that relationship just like he was reminding David in the midst of his struggle. You say, well, David, he, had, he got himself in some of this. Yeah, but that's the goodness of God. Even though we do stupid things. Well, at least I do. God is there to remind us, hey, you remember? You remember when you committed your life to me? You remember when we started walking together? I'm still the same God. You may have changed, but I have not. He's the same God today that he was when you were saved, when you went through a difficult time. Any testimonies with the lifted hand? Mm -hmm. Yes, God's led me through some stuff, lots of stuff, and he's the same God today. And we need to allow the Lord to refresh that relationship in our lives. We're going to have to stop there tonight. We'll finish up next time in Psalm 18 because there's a lot of other things in there that the Lord is reminding David of in the midst of his struggle. So, prayer request that you have today. Our morning class that I'd like to just highlight, our morning class was dealing in the prophecy of Micah today about the false prophets and teachers and pastors and shepherds and whatever. And I would encourage you to be praying for 
those who are espousing false doctrine. It is epidemic today. And false teachings and wacko things that are leading people astray. And uh, we need to be praying that, that they will be revealed for what they're doing and that their followers, which are many, will see the light through the Word of God and pray that the stranglehold that they have on many of the, their followers would be broken by the power of Jesus Christ. Other prayer requests tonight. You want to share about your brother? Yeah, my brother, uh, Bill, um, he was doing so much better yesterday and then on the way to church tonight, my sister-in-law called and uh, his, his kidneys are starting to quit functioning, so they're talking about putting him on dialysis and uh, he has the heart problems, the COPD, and so today he wasn't really doing that good and, and uh, she's she's pretty tore up too, because she, she not only has him to deal with, but uh, my nephew lives with them and he's um, 61 and uh, he has the early onset dementia, so she has to and, and she's down there by herself as far as family goes. But uh, just pray that, you know, that this will, God will take care of him and, and reverse this. And, and for his salvation, too. Like you were talking earlier, uh, my mother prayed for all of us kids. And, and in 2005, she passed away. And so that's stalwart in our family. Other prayer requests tonight. Yes. Um, if you if you would remember Chris, and um, I think it's just kind of getting to him the whole like one foot works and one foot doesn't. Yeah. And uh, it's just been a lot. <clears throat> and um, also my dad, um, he is. Uh, they found a tumor behind his eye, mm. um, and he is going to go into some surgery um, up here in Columbus on the 11th. So there's a good prognosis. I mean, it is cancer, but they're able to take care of it. But okay. just what's his process. first name? James. James. James and Chris. Both. Other prayer requests tonight? Um, just keep Eric in your prayers and the kids. He's getting about time for them to. Well, I don't even want this. But Praying for Eric and Beth. Let's go to prayer and have several lead us out in a word of prayer tonight. <coughs> Let's begin by just thanking the Lord that He brings His word back to us. When we're at a low point, He raises up His word to strengthen and encourage us. And if you're going through a low time right now, Give him that prayer as well. Lord, remind me of who you are. Remind me of what you've been to me in the past, of what you want to do in my life. Refresh it in my spirit tonight. Several lead us out in prayer tonight.
Father, we do praise you tonight. We praise you, Lord, for who you are. And tonight, Lord, we cry out. And, and we... We can identify with David in this song because you are our strength, our deliverer, our salvation, our shield. And Father God, we are grateful for the way that you have blessed us in our lives. Tonight, Lord God, we've just heard a few testimonies. We've heard a few prayer requests uh, that we lift up before you tonight. We lift up Chris and we lift up Becky's father James and uh, <coughs> Eric and uh, those that are mentioned here tonight that have dire circumstances, Lord God, that need your touch. And we pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would, would bring a peace to our friends, uh, that you are in control, that Jesus did die for not just for our sin, but for our healing. And so when we ask you, Lord, for healing for our friends, we do it for yes. Jesus' sake, because mm -hmm. he shed that blood that we might be healed. Yes. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your word to remind us who you are, who you are to us, that we can be all things through you. And we praise you tonight, Lord. Yes, Lord. We praise you tonight. Father God, we just come before you to, we need you to touch our nation. Yes. Father God, there's so much violence going yes. on and so many people that just do and just taking people's lives for no reason at all, Father God. And I just pray that you just step in and take over to help the people make the right decisions and stop the crimes in our cities and our, uh, our countries and our states, Father God. And Lord, all, all overseas, where everybody's just thinking war is the thing to get everything done, I pray you just step in and Put some calm heads on the people that's making those decisions, Father God. And just put a shield of protection over our flock here at the church, Father God. I pray you keep us safe. I pray you keep us healthy, Father. Some of us that need a healing, we need a touch, a financial or a job. Or yeah. I pray you just protect everybody watching these doors. Yeah. Continue to bring people to our church, Father God, that needs to hear your word. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you give, give us one person this week that we can invite or that we can touch. And share your wisdom and love and encouragement. Mm, yes. Lord, be with our, our family members that don't know you. Yes. Lord, I pray you just send someone into each one of our families that we have one that don't know you, Father God. Just put someone in their life and encourage them and teach them the word, Father God. As a parent, you can tell your, your kids and family members that you love them, but sometimes it takes a perfect stranger to walk up and plant that seed again in water so they realize what they need to do, Lord. We thank you so much for what you're going to do in our lives. And yes. we pray over the weekend. Even the pastor who brings the word. Keep him safe. Keep him healthy. Yes. And keep him well, Father God. Let his knees heal that hurts him so bad, Father God. Just let him continue to teach us and encourage us and strengthen us. We thank you for bringing him here. And the words that he gives us some encouragement. In your precious name. Amen. <laughs>